everyone. How are you? Thank you for my big entrance. I was just checking on one of our ladies' friends that has come with us today. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about CC Cares today, which is our, our outreach to the local homeless community who live at Wentworth Park in Glebe, just down here. Um, it, it really started as a church. We've got, always had a strong desire to reach out into our local community and to be relevant and to be helpful and to be kind. You know, there's a scripture that says they'll know that we're Christians by our love. And so we want to live that out. We want to be that to our local community. Um, there's lots of C3 Cares around Sydney that are birthed out of local churches. Um, Silverwater, Maryland, they're all over the place. And everybody meets the need that they find in their local community. So we are just, we're providing meals and a lot of other different items to that homeless community, which is, it's the overpass bridge that goes, the ra light rail bridge that goes through Wentworth Park. And it creates these tunnels underneath the light rail bridge, and that's where the homeless people live, in the park there. Um, we initially started out to do a, a nice civilised meal in a community centre, but we just found that the need that, that was there was the homeless community, and, and so we've moved in and we'll do meals in the park now. But um, I've got to say, I'm just the face of it, I'm, I, but I have a whole team behind me, and I want everybody in the team to stand up right now and be acknowledged. Please give them a round of applause, because there's a lot of unseen work. <laughs> Kelly, Teresa, Penny, Penny's not here, Jason. We even have a, a friend of ours who's, who's, um, who's not a Christian, Nikki, she comes along and helps. In fact, she's an atheist. Um, my kids come along. My husband is an absolute champion. He's a rock. I can't say too much about this man. I always say he makes, he makes me look really good. <laughs> he always says, oh, Liz, you're awesome. I'm like, you have no idea how much is going on in the background. Um, I also want to acknowledge Helena, who is our prayer warrior. She prays for us every week, and that's a gift we can't, we can't get to get anywhere. That's awesome. Thank you so much. We also have, you know, a lot of you have contributed in different ways. Um, Larissa works for a local um, preschool. She took up a, um, a gathering of food for us just recently. I had to go in my car and stack it full of food. You know, Rachel Tierty has made up bags of things that are specifically for the women down there. Um, given us tents, and you know, so you guys are part of this, this is not us, <laughs> this is us, all of us doing this, so I, I really want to thank you, the wider team, for supporting what we do, you took, we took up an offering at the beginning of last year, and we've been using that money as wisely as we can to do as much good as we can, but we couldn't do that if it wasn't for you, and I often say to the guys down there, I say, you know, we're the face of it, but there's a whole church supporting us, there's a whole lot of people, and here they are, I told you so, there's a whole lot of people who come to me and they say to me, you know, Enid says, comes and says to me, how are they? And I pray for them and think of them when it's cold and wet. And people come to me and say, can I give you towels? And can I These are the people I was talking about when I said that. So um, I've actually invited a couple of my friends from down under the tunnels to come and see you today, to speak to you, because it's good to have a face to what we do and to understand these are people, people that we love, people that we know. They're our friends. Um, so what do we do? We, we try and meet, to meet the needs in the local community. So we provide a hot meal on a Wednesday night, fortnightly, because we discovered the, the need was more in the middle of the week than the end of the week. So that's why we changed that. And we meet any practical needs that we find. So that might be anything. 
just just like your, a family would, if somebody needs something, you, you listen out, you hear out, and you do something about it. Um, some of the things we have given away are towels, tents, blankets, sheets, pillows, pillowcases, gas burners, gas canisters, clothes, toiletries, food hampers, meals, bandages, fresh water, batteries, lights, several bikes, hats, sunscreen, sleeping bags, jackets, shoes, socks, pots, pans, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> and I have been given <laughs> a pot, two scooters, serving dishes, food, football nets, games, a children's chair, food, hospitality, cash. So this is not a one-way street. I often find the people who have the least need are the people who are the kindest. So we have been, sorry, it makes me dizzy. Um, we have been well looked after by the community down there. Um, so I want to start by introducing you to a friend of mine, Carol, who said to me, you didn't say I was good, you are going to make me talk. So um, I'm going to introduce you to Carol, and, and remember, this is a very nerve-wracking thing. So just give her a round of applause. Carol, just come here for a minute. I'll be gentle. I'll be gentle. So what's your name, Carol? Carol, I knew. <laughs> right, you got that one right. family. I have two boys. They both live in New Zealand. And where are you initially from? Where are you from? Ken Country. Ken Country. Right. Yep. Um, so what's your been your experience of having C3 Cares down there? Like is it, what do you think of us as a team? Are we? Well, you're my mum and dad. <laughs> my family. <laughs> I call you mother. I call them dad. Brothers and sisters. She does. She calls me mother and him dad. So cute. Um, and we called her sister. And she's part of our family now. And um, so one of the things I really love with Carol is that you, you need a touch point often. You need somebody who you can rely on down there to tell you what's going on or to feed back any needs or to check on people. And that's what you're like. You're just, you're very, you're very kind. And you, I'm sorry, I'm going to embarrass you now. You're very kind and you're very generous and you're very um, concerned for people. So whenever we have a need like that, we have a touch point. If, uh, there's, like, there was one lady this week who, um, who doesn't live anywhere, and she asked me for a sleeping bag. I didn't have one on me, but I said, I can get you a swag, like a tent thing. And I said, but we were figuring, how do we get this to her? So I said, turned around to Carol and said, Carol, can you hold the swag for her? And she knows it's here, and then she can come anytime and get it. So that's what we did. Carol was minding the swag and a bag of food for her. And that's what we do. When somebody else was sick, she'd go and check on them for me. Let me know if somebody was, had gone to jail, or that's that's the kind of thing. 
if anything, you've, you're, you're so kind-hearted, you get into trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I get into heaps of trouble. <laughs> without even doing anything wrong. Yeah, without even doing anything. Yeah, because you are generous and you're kind-hearted, and, and that's a hard thing to be in that situation. Yeah. Carol and I are putting out a, a book, aren't we? We're going to make a million dollars. It's called The Tunnel Diet. Yeah. <laughs> we're joking we're going to make a million bucks on that idea. <laughs> Somebody will buy it, for sure. <laughs> okay, I'll let you get out of your misery. I know this is not your most comfortable position, but thank, no, thank Carol very much for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Carol. Yeah. Sorry, Carol has an injury to her leg. She has trouble um, keep, uh, straightening her leg, putting her leg on straight. So do you want to come up to Sam? This is Sam with his dog, Ty. You might have seen... Ty wandering around. Come on, Ty. Come on, buddy. Often when you think of homeless people, you don't think in terms of animals and some of the other needs that come up. It's been a real learning curve for me, understanding who actually is down there and what their needs are. And you know, everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got a different history. So don't assume that you know when you meet a homeless person what that story is. Some of them own homes. They're renting them out. And they're living down there because that's a better option for them. So you know what I mean? So don't assume you know everything about anybody that lives down there. Everyone's got a different story. So, Sam, uh, how long have you been homeless, buddy? Um, four years. How long have you had Ty? Ty, I've had Ty for about four and a half. Um, yeah. What's it like having a dog on the street? It's actually a pretty big struggle. Um... One of the hardest things I find is um, I can't pretty much gain access to any of the services, um, as in like hostels, um, places to go and eat, um, even like boarding houses, budget motels, places like that, because they don't allow him. So, Would you ever give Ty up? Hell no. He's just not my dog, he's my boy. Yeah. He's my son, he's everything. When I pretty much found Ty, you might as well say that we both saved each other's lives at, at that time yeah. when we met. And pretty much, you know, it, it, part, part of me being on the streets is by choice because I don't want to separate me and my dog. Because he is really all I have. And the other most important thing in your life, I know, is your two children. And I'm sorry, I'm going to try not to make you cry. <laughs> because when you talk about somebody's kids, that's, that's deep. So you have two little kids. Yeah, I do. Same age as two of mine, sort of. Same age as sort of Elijah and Bella. Um, Lily and Brock. What are they now, seven and five? Is that right? Seven. Six the day before my birthday in February. And one of your main desires in, in moving forward is to get custody back of your children? Yeah. I want full custody of them. And that's going to require some work and some time. Yeah. <laughs> you're very committed to your family. I know that's something that you're going to do. I really believe you. Yeah, but I've got a bit of a setback over the last six months in regards to gaining access to the children. But... Yeah, hopefully next year that, that sort of should look up. 
And this is the thing is we try and get to know people so we know how we can facilitate any needs that they have. There are a lot of services out there, but often it's a matter of getting directed to the right services. And sometimes it's a matter of not what you know, but who you know. You know, people will say to me, we have this particular issue, and I go, oh, I know somebody. And that's actually what happened with Sam. Um, Sam called me up one day and said, um, I've got an idea. I went, okay. But he came, came out with this awesome idea. He said that, um, well, should you explain it better than me? Well, it sort of more started. Well, it more started just bringing back a passion that I've had. Um, Christmas last year, me and Ty were attacked, and um, due to that, Ty's actually got a problem with his um, front left bicep muscle. Um, I have to manage his weight. I can only play with him for a certain amount of time of a day. Um, I can only walk him for, for so long. Um, so one of the things um, I sort of did in regards to sort of getting this around um, was I tapped into a passion and built myself a new bike and pretty much went out and got a trailer for Ty. So pretty much when, you know, I've got to go and do what I have to do for us and that, and he's struggling to get around, he'll just get in the back and I'll pull him along wherever we've got to go. And that made you realise that if you had a need for a bike, there might be other people in the community who had the same need and desire. There are, actually. You know, we've got a few homeless people out there that have got bikes themselves, but for me it's more... I remember when I was about... I think it was about eight or nine. And for Christmas I got my first bike. It wasn't brand new. It was second hand. I didn't care. It was gold to me. But the next day, I had it in pieces in the backyard. God, I got into trouble for that. <laughs> yeah. But I've always been like that. And you've always tinkered with bikes, and you've always had a desire to do them, and that's combined with your heart, which is to help people who... Because he's had that experience of somebody giving him a bike and how treasured that was, he wants to pass on, I think, that same feeling to other people. You said disadvantaged children and homeless people. So his, his idea was to provide bikes to people who needed them from situations where they didn't need them or, or to up his skills so that he could do that and, and, and be able to possibly form a charity where he could provide that for people that he felt needed it. So the first thing he said was, you know, he told me the stream, I said, well, I know somebody <laughs> who was talking in church just last week that he had a bike business and he was giving it up and he was moving into, back into engineering. So I said, well, let's introduce you to Francois. So... Um, Oh, there's a photo of you with your bike. That was yesterday, fixing one of your bikes? Uh, yeah, actually, um, a really good mate of mine, it was his birthday yesterday, and um, that was pretty much what I did for him. So Francois has been going down every Sunday, most Sundays, and teaching him some more tricks, um, showing him what books to buy, um, teaching him how exactly you do, it's, you know, figuring out where the gaps are in the education of how you, how you fix bikes, and also, you know, Francois is just... It's a support as well, isn't it? You know, Francois is very encouraging and he wants to see you do well and he wants... Anything that I sort of am not comfortable or sort of real sort of experience on doing, you know, he'll sit down and he'll help me, you know, and, and he'll explain it to me too, you know. Um, 
that's what we want is that's how a church operates best is when we work as a family and as a body and as a community that when there's a need I know somebody at church who could possibly do that. I mean, it's not to say that you say yes to everything, but that's how a body operates at its best. So, um, so yeah, we're going to we're going to follow through. And Peter Ibbotson, who just had her baby dedicated today, has offered to write up a proposal to one of the local businesses to see if we can get some parts supplied. Um, there's lots of little things going on in the background to see that, hopefully, see that dream realised, and just to see you moving forward in your life and being happy. Having my kids back. Okay. Say two things to Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. He just got all his teeth out the other week, and he's still—he's coming. He wasn't—he wasn't not coming. So, brave man. Thank you, Sam. As you can see, he's got a beautiful heart, and you know when you when you tap into what people are really passionate about and what they love, oh, that's where God is. I reckon that's where God is, right where we are. Um. Like when, you, when you get to the end of these events, like there's a, there's a lot of work involved in doing see-through cares, and you get to the end of the event, and you're packing up the car and the kids and the everything, and when I'm driving home, I should be thinking how tired I am, and I'm thinking about the people. It's about the people. It's about the relationships. You know, before I'm in there, I'm just thinking plates and knives and forks and stuff like that. But on the way home, all I'm thinking is, they're my people. They're my people. Like, I love them. They're beautiful. They follow us to the car and help us load. Like, um, and that's really what matters more than anything, the relationships, the community, and the people. Um, the Bible teaches really two, two simple but really essential goals in life. Love God, love people. If you never read the Bible, that's what it's all about. <laughs> love God, love people. That's the cheats edition. <laughs> And you find your greatest joy in life when it's centred there. If you try and centre your life on things or money or position or anything else, you will get messed up. Um, and at the end of your life, that's what, that's what you count. Those are the things that last. Um, it's about relationship. And with God, also, he doesn't want a dry, detached religious belief that he exists. He wants a relationship. He wants love. You to love him, and he wants to show you how much he loves you. He's a loving father. And, and when you get filled up with that love, when you've been well loved, it spills out of you. And you want other people to feel loved like that. And when you feel like they're not feeling loved like that, you're moved um, to action. And really, that's, that's, I think, how everything should get started. I wanted to read you this scripture from James 2, 14 to 21. It's in the message translation. This cracks me up. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a Coke or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? <laughs> isn't, it out, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? <laughs> I love that line. 
You can already hear, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good, you take care of the faith department, I'll take care of the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than you can show my faith, than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God and then observe you complacently sitting back as if you've done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. (laughs) But what good does it do them? Believing in God is, is not what we're talking about here. It's not about having all the right words or talking big about faith. It's not about nice platitudes or good works for the sake of them. And it's not about detached religion or duty. It's about love. It's not about whether you cross over the line or whether you're a Christian or not. It's about starting a relationship of love with a God who loves you. And you ask any parent and they'll tell you that love is very motivating. Love moves you to action. And that's why you choose to get up in the morning. That's the only reason I choose to get up in the morning. And it causes you to cook when you don't want to. And it causes you to go out of your way for someone. And it makes you brave and it makes you dream. And it makes you do the hard yards. Love is powerful. But like any relationship, that love can fizzle out and you have to renew it and feed it or your heart gets really cold and calloused if you, if you shut yourself away from that and then it doesn't get softened by God's word or by kindness and gratitude. So when you don't have good people around you and you don't get fed by that bigger love from God, it's incredibly, it's amazing how calloused and hard and small we become. But as we soak up that love, as we soak up that word, it fills us with a motivation and it makes us alive. I don't know if you've ever met somebody and you go, man, that person's really alive. Like there's something about them. They're just I've met people on the train sometimes and I think, you must be a Christian because you are rocking it. Like that's what, that's what Christianity is. It's to be truly alive. It's not dead, duty Christianity. It's so full of love you don't know what to do with yourself. And we all have ups and downs. We all have good days and bad days. And I'm not preaching like this, you know, first thing in the morning. <laughs> We're all human. But there's nothing more empowering than passing that love on. It's so motivating and encouraging to others when they feel that kind of love. It's so expected. It's so otherworldly. It's so different than what this world gives us. Um, when, you tre- when someone treats you with respect and value, you live up to that, and you begin to see that for yourself too. Um, to be really heard and thought of and considered and looked in the eye with respect and treated with dignity and a sense of belief that you have value and purpose, that's powerful. And that's what actually what God does for us. That's what he does for us first. He does all those kind, loving, wonderful things, tells us how great we are, believes in us, sees it through. He's our greatest cheerleader. He's your biggest fan. You don't need to convince him you're worthy of him. He's already in. He's passionately involved. He's more interested than you are. And when that love fills you, you you do become alive. Now, we've been talking in recent weeks about this idea of revival, which is, you know, um, to come alive again. And the way we come alive again is in the presence of that love. Love is a verb. You have to do it. Love is something you actually have to actively 
do. And when you're keeping that love alive, that love for God and love for people, that's revival. And I want you to ask yourself, does your life reflect that expression of value of people and a desire to reach out and be a good friend and be a good neighbor? Do you overflow with that love? You know, I don't have any radical insights to share. I don't, I don't think this is rocket science. Um, I think God got it first the, right the first time and it still works. Love God, love people, repeat. You just have to start. Um, and I'm sure there's people in your world right now who could do with some love and some compassion and some reaching out, who could do with a little, you know, otherworldly love in their life right now. And I, I know that right now you've probably got people on your heart, people that you know are struggling, people that you know could do with some kindness. And I just challenge you to take the opportunity to be bold, to be scared a little bit. I mean, there was nothing more terrifying than rocking up to those tents the first day in the tunnels, looking at all those tents and going, I just got to rock up in there and say, hi, I'm Liz. Uh, what else do I say? <laughs> I'm from the local, ch- we're called Sea Street Church. Like, uh, it's hard. It's hard. So I understand what it's like to, you know, for you guys to come up here and be put on the spot and be asked to speak. I, I understand and I appreciate it very much because it's hard. It's hard to put yourself out. It's hard to put yourself on the spot. It's hard to meet new people. It's hard to have relationships with people that challenge you. It's hard to continue to trust people and to believe and to have faith and and to hold your head high and to have hope for people. But there are many, many people out there who need our love. And I hope that today I've at least given you a taste of that love so that you do want to go out and pass it on and you do want to um, reach beyond your comfort zone and, and find a whole new life for yourself, one, one of value, one that matters. So let me just pray for you as we finish. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this ministry, God. We thank you for these beautiful people living down there under the bridge, Father. For whatever reason, whatever circumstance, Lord, we lift them up to you. God, we believe you have a plan, you have a perfect plan for their lives. They are infinitely precious. And God, we pray that through us, they will see your love. They will see the lack of judgment. They will see that this is not about being good. This is about being loved. God, we can never be good enough for you. So I I don't even want to try, God. We can't reach your standards. But we thank you that you accept us entirely anyway. And I pray, Father, you will make a way for every one of those people down there under the bridge to know that. To experience that. To have a taste of the goodness of the love you've shown me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.